0: All right, let's do it. Making plans with the boys. I'm going to hit the town. Yes, yes, yes. The music's coming down, the words are coming up, and we find ourselves at another podcast for Gen X Talks. Now, the reason this podcast is not going to be what you are used to enjoying is because Gen X Mom is not participating, and neither is the kid. That's right. That means you're stuck with my grumpy old voice spewing a bunch of nonsense. I haven't had a drop of alcohol in and- 15 hours so you know my stuff's going to be pretty dry and unentertaining. However, that's going to fit nicely because today's topic has to do with raising children, which you should never do inebriated or at least that's what they tell us. So, this is a this is going to be real quick. This is not going to be a a 14-hour podcast. It's it's um <laughs> there's two. There's two things I want to point out. Um, we've talked about one of them um, before on the live streams, and it's uh, the one you, the one you guys know, is uh, ten Oreos and liberals. <laughs> yeah, and I to keep your attention for a minute. And the other one is just about it's some of the hypocrisy in parenting. And it's I want to tell you that sometimes I think I have been hypocritical in parenting, but it's been very unintentional. We'll get to that and and we'll get to that in a little bit. So I want to point those out. But first, let me start by telling you um, a quick story that this is the one that seems to be one of the more popular ones is about the ten Oreos and liberals uh, and and we've all done this we've been that we've all been the child and some of us have been the parent and even if you've been a casual sideline observer of parenting, you get the idea and and what it is is you go back to uh, a child let's say a child walks up, and um, looks at you know, maybe five years old, six years old, and they walk up and they see you sitting at the at the table and you, you got your glass of milk and you got a box of Oreos. And you open up the box and you take one out. And what does that kid do? Now the kid wants an Oreo. the kid wants a lot of Oreos. And they walk up and they say, Hey, you let me have some of those. You you got a box of Oreos. And let's say they want ten. Now I know you guys are all gonna tell me, Oh, you should never give a child ten Oreos. Well, Ten Oreos sounds like a better title for the movie than four Oreos, doesn't it? So we'll just go with ten, and we'll pretend we're not really going to give them all ten. We'll just talk about it. But it's proportionate. Your box of Oreos has, I don't know, what do they have, 40 Oreos in there? Okay. And the kid walks up and sees it, and they say, hey, let me have let me have ten of those Oreos. Now, we didn't teach the child to ask for things proportionately, did we? No, not, not at an early age. You just... You just, you know that they're you're going to share, you you know you're going to share your Oreos with them. They know you're going to share the Oreos. So they walk up and just as being human nature, they look at what you've got and they ask for what they think you'll give them. Now, they don't ask you for all of them because you'd say, well, no, I'm not, I'm not giving you all of them. Now, setting aside that a child shouldn't eat a whole box of Oreos, it's not the point of the story. So all of you fun fact Freddies, just shut up. But you wouldn't. You would get on them, wouldn't you? If they say, hey, let me have all your Oreos. Well, no, you you would teach them a lesson. You would say, no, now that's being greedy. You don't need to ask for all the Oreos. Now you see me with a box. Why don't you be polite and just ask for a handful? Okay, and the kid looks, and now the kid, the child already has it in their head that they're going to ask proportionately for what you have. So they say, okay, let me have 10. You got a box of 40. And why do they, why do children ask proportionately? I know why we teach them that. We teach them not to be greedy. We teach them, you know, uh, we teach them that angle of, you know, come on now, be nice, be polite, don't be greedy, just ask for a little. But why does the child instinctively do it? Well, they don't think you're going to miss it. They look at your box of Oreos and think, well, you're not going to miss 10 Oreos. You're not even going to know they're gone. You know, in fact, I'm kind of insulted you won't give me 10. I think you're the one being greedy. You got a whole box of them. And how many times have children done that to you? Oh, if it's Oreos or chips or whatever you've got, they look at you and say, Well, you got a bunch. Why can't I have a bunch? You got a bunch of that. Why can't I have a handful or some? You got, you're got. you not even going to miss it. You don't need all those. And eventually, they get that way. Maybe not at eight years old, but certainly by 12, 13, 15. So we we sort of promote that as parents don't we 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 kind of reinforce that where we say listen you know you don't be greedy just ask for a little bit you can see how much i've got and you should ask for this. and we say that now we're teaching them not to be greedy what the lesson i think sometimes we're inadvertently teaching them is go ahead and ask for a part of what you what you see before you what you think i have now I'm not I'm not saying that there's another way around that and I'm not saying that we're all terrible parents for doing that. I'm just I'm just observing human nature from raising thirty two children and looking around going, Well, I, I know where I was going with this, but um, now I'm looking at what the lesson I've taught that child. Well, why does it matter? Why did why do you why do we care one way or the other? Who cares? If you're teaching them that. All right, well, let's move into the teenage years. And, you know, the teenagers want things. They want newer clothes. They want name brands. They want their first car. They want to do these things, but they don't have a job, you know, especially if they're 14 or 15. And these days they're not even hiring a lot of 16-year-olds. But why? Why why does it matter what lessons we've taught them between 5 and 11 or so? Because now they're a teenager and they say, well, won't you give me two hundred dollars for tennis shoes? You got a lot of money. You won't even miss that money. Let me have my two hundred dollar tennis shoes. Let me have that thousand dollar phone. You, you won't even miss it. What do you care? You can afford it. Now, you know they probably don't know your financial situation or mine, do they? Um, you know, maybe some days I got you know fifty grand in my pocket. <laughs> maybe the next day I've got five dollars. You know, uh, they don't really know, but they look at what you're doing in life. They instinctively, they ask proportionately. They get mad. You don't, what do you care if you're missing a couple hundred bucks? I really need those tennis shoes. Now, if you have that discussion and you give in to them during that discussion, you're promoting, you're promoting them. You're promoting that line of thinking. And maybe we shouldn't. Now, if it was just, hey, I'd like a pair of shoes, and then you take them to the mall and you decide out of nowhere to buy them a $200 pair of shoes because you can afford it and they're a good kid and they deserve it, that's that's a little different, isn't it? I know, There, I know, just stop picking it apart. There's other um, psychological problems that go along with that. I'm not here to debate every angle of parenting. You can pick my argument apart. It's pretty easy. We're just talking here. We're just talking street level, nuts and bolts. But what I find myself failing once in a while is that if, if if I ever give in to a child who says, Hey, you know, give me twenty bucks. You you got you got three hundred dollars in your wallet. I'm only asking for twenty. Now, we already discuss why they do that. We've already we know that it's just their human nature A six year old walks up and looks at your box of Oreos and wants ten. We also promote it a little bit because what do we say? It's like, oh, don't be, don't be greedy. You don't ask for all of it. You ask for some of it. Don't, you can don't be greedy. Just ask politely. But what's another lesson that we teach them along the way? What's another lesson that maybe we're 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 not trying to teach it in a bad way, but maybe we are, is we always teach them to go ask for something where it is. You know, you ask a person with money for some money if you need to borrow it or you'd like to have some. You don't go to the poorest person you know, do you? No. If you want 10 Oreos, you go to the guy who's got a box of 40 Oreos. You don't go to the guy who's sitting there with a bag of chips in his hand. We instinctively, as humans, we know um, we go to the person with what we need and we ask proportionately. We we know that as humans, and then we kind of a little bit. I got to admit, we promote that as parents. Just even if we're not trying to, we we teach them a little bit of that. All right. So again, you're asking, who cares? What does this all mean? Well, let's go a step further. We've taken it from a child with you know um, ten Oreos, and we've gone up to teenagers with money, and and it can go further. Remember, it's proportionate. Everything that we have done up until now, whether we're trying to teach them about greed or where to go look for the thing they want or, you know, or just their nature of what they take proportionately, you know, it's, you got a box of Oreos that's 40. I want 10. If I had 10 Oreos, my kid would ask me for one. If I had one Oreo, my kid would ask me for a bite all the way down the line proportionately. You know, just like your last stick of gum and you asked a guy, split it, (laughs) you know, split it with me. (laughs) You're not asking for the whole piece, but we do that. We all do that. Come on. So maybe we've pumped these lessons into them inadvertently. They've learned it on their own, whatever, but it's very present. Now here's where it can, it can become a problem. Some of these children are going to grow up to be in positions of power in government, and maybe at a county level or a state level or a federal level. They work their way to that point. Now, when they want some, and, 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 and believe me when I tell you, all politicians, they ultimately want power and they want money. Now, okay, you're going to list me um, some third district guy in Georgia that's there for the people. Okay, there are politicians. When I say all the politicians, that's the first thing you nitpickers do. Oh, no, no, not all of them. All right, shut up. I don't want to argue absolutes with every little thing. When I say all politicians, you know, they love power and they love money. Can you just agree that that's like most of them and shut up? You're really going to discount an entire discussion on a couple words like that? Shut up. Hang up. Turn off this podcast. Go away. I don't want to talk to you. So now you have some politicians that are in power and they want money. And so what's what's one of the rules we've taught them growing up? You go get money from people that have it. And, of course, you don't take all their money. You know, you're gonna. What's the other lesson we've taught them? You take proportionately. And what's another lesson we've taught them? You tell them they don't need it. You tell them they won't miss it. And if they're not willing to give you 10 Oreos, you make them feel bad for not giving you 10 Oreos. Tell me I'm wrong. That's exactly how this goes. If you're, uh, you, if, you, if you're a person that has hundreds of millions of dollars, they want tens of million from you. If they go to you and you're a millionaire with $1 million, they're going to ask for, you know, hundred grand. If you got thousands of dollars, they're going to ask for hundreds. They, they are going to ask proportionately and make you feel bad if you don't do it because that's what they've learned their entire lives. That's what we've taught them. That's human nature. It's not difficult to understand. Um, but, but you get to that point. I, I, I'm no different. I am just as guilty as you. I'm not even, you know, the worst part is, is I'm not even offering you a solution. I'm not, I'm not even saying, oh, and here's how we correct the problem. (laughs) You guys, if there's a couple of you out there with your hat in your hand, you know, ringing it, staring at your, at your radio right now, trying to, trying to wait for that magic answer. I don't, I don't have a silver bullet on this one. I'm letting you just, I'm letting you kind of fumble through this the same as me. But the point of that is is that they, they, they come at you at that angle. My son, I have a son who's gone through a complete um, life character arc in the last maybe seven or eight years. It's just an amazing thing to watch. But at this particular time in the conversation, he came to me um, as about as far left of a liberal attitude as you could have, and this specific conversation was about, hey, Dad, we should take money from rich people they won't even know it's gone. They, it's just a number on their on their checking account, on their ledger, on their savings account, on their portfolio. All we're doing, Dad, we're taking a zero off the end of their... They wouldn't even know it's gone. They'll never even know it's gone. It's just ink on a statement that comes in the mail. But if we can take that money from them, there is so much good we can do. And why wouldn't rich people want to give up money that they don't need that they're never going to miss, they're never going to use, why wouldn't they give up that money to help homelessness, to help poor people, for medicine? Why wouldn't they do it? Well, as you can imagine, and it was as, as every good person in that conversation does, he's painted me into a corner. He's explained to me that rich people have money, that they don't need it, that they're never going to use it, and they're never going to miss it, and why can't we give it to poor people? So basically, if I don't come up with a good answer, I hate poor people. I want people to be homeless. I want people to starve. And I love rich people. i got to be very careful how I answer that question, don't I? Because he's, he's asked it, as many of these politicians do. They paint you into a corner. They put you on TV and radio. And they paint you into a corner, and they give you no way out. It's very trapping. So he asked me that. Now I'm standing there, and he says, why? You tell me why, Dad. Why, why can't we take that from them and give it where it needs to go? And I really didn't have to think about it. I didn't miss much of a beat. Um, common sense, nuts and bolts answer was, it's their money. And he just looked at me. He's like, well, is there, is there more to that conversation, Dad? Is there more to your answer? No, it's their money. It's not your money to take from them. It's not my money. And I even told my son, I said, let's say I agree with you. Let's say that this rich guy is an arrogant, terrible person, and I hate him. And right next door to him is a poor homeless family living in their car, and he could totally help them. And I think he should help them. Let's say that's what I believed, that he should go out there and help that neighbor. He can afford it. He could do it. It wouldn't change his lifestyle at all. Let's say I agreed with all of that. It's not my money to take. End of story. And you can't just you can't just go take it. You're not allowed to. Some people actually worked really hard for their money. It's their money. And maybe that guy wants to buy a four million dollar boat. You know what my son said? He doesn't need a four million dollar boat. He could get away with a three million dollar boat and be just fine. And that other million dollars we could go we could go take care of people. And again, I had to say, "Well, who are you to say he's he's earned that money? Who are you to say what he can spend it on? What if you don't think a three million dollar boat's good? What are you going to make him do a two million dollar boat? I mean, can you imagine going to someone's house and interviewing them so you can determine how much money, how much of their money, you're going to leave them?" so that they can live comfortable don't worry i'm not taking too much you're still going to be living comfortable let's, let's let's find out what's the bottom line here what do you what do you need to be comfortable and then i'll leave you that much and i'll take the rest well that's an individual you know but most most politicians that are on that side of the fence don't come after individuals they they the biggest money making machine in our country is the middle class yeah and if they can find a way to take that money, that's the same as taking it from a rich person. You know, you just take it from a bunch of middle class people and you get the same amount of money, but nobody nobody really feels that bad because they didn't give up a ton. Uh, but then it's more and it's more and it's more. The bottom line is, is that we have taught these politicians, we, we have taught them from small children, go ask for the money where the money is. Who's got the box of Oreos? Go ask them. We've kind of made it okay because you tell we've taught them not to be greedy and take it all. Um, people will probably give you give up some without too much of a fight if you just take a little bit. See, so yeah, there's my <laughs> there's my there's my ten Oreos for liberals thing. It just I know it's a random stupid thought, um, but I think sometimes a lot of what we teach children inadvertently uh, ends up ends up having ramifications like a ripple effect in in other areas and i think that's i think that's tough and so uh i know right about here is where i have to stop and let gen z kid do his silly commercial break where he can pay some bills you realize that after all the podcast gets listens to on here in his little commercial break at the end of the month he clicks the button and he makes four dollars and like 85 cents Oh, but that kid counts it. He can. He goes. He goes. Put that in the pile, Dad. It's another four dollars and eighty-five cents we didn't have before. Eh, you gotta love that kid. So, uh, go ahead. Listen to his thirty-second commercial. Um, he has a very soothing voice, and we'll get back to you with my hypocrisy right after this. All right. So we're back now. The other one that I want to tell you, it's it's. Um, it's just a quick lesson on on hypocrisy being a parent, and I'm going to use me as an example. I'm the I'm I'm the biggest screw up you guys have ever met. Believe me, this particular hypocrisy in raising kids, I didn't try to do. Um, in fact, no, I. It would be really bad if one of my children came up and pointed it out to me. But luckily, <laughs> uh, luckily, all my kids are stupid, and none of them figured it out <laughs> because it kind of popped into my head one day, and I went, "Oh my God, what have I been doing?" But it's it's simple and it's short. It's not not very long. But let me, I'm going to give you an example. I had a son um, who got into high school and uh, kind of on the lazy side, and he was really good at sports. But um, his mother and I wouldn't let him join the sports teams unless his grades were up. You got to have your assignments turned in. You got to have your grades up. It was a big thing for us, and so he uh, he he did away with sports. He kind of love of his life. Was baseball? He just loved baseball, um, but he kind of made himself okay with it. He kind of settled. He's like, "All right, <sighs> I'm not. I am not going to do my work. I am not going to pass my classes the way I'm supposed to. So, uh, I'm going to give up baseball." Now, you know, kids make these choices all the time, and we as parents teach them this. You know, they're like, "Well, you make a choice, son. You do your work, and you can go try out for the baseball team or the basketball team, whatever." And sometimes kids step up, and sometimes they don't. This particular kid did not, and he said, "Okay, I'll just uh, I'll just make myself okay with uh, with not having not having baseball." So then he goes on a little further, and you're like, "Listen, you know, as parents, you're like, you're not going out. You're gonna get grounded. You're getting D's and F's. You're not going out with your friends. You're not going. So step up your grades, or you you're you're gonna have to learn to live without going places." This particular son, all right, all right, I'll just, uh, I'll make myself okay with not going anywhere. Well, it was the same thing with football games at school and dances and events. Um, you know, unless it was a family thing we were doing, he missed out on a lot at high school because he was not going to get those grades up. Smart kid, one of the smartest kids we've got, but lazy as the day was long when he was a teenager. So he made himself okay with not having any of those things. Now, this is, this is the point of the story before I go on to part two, which is really short. As a teenager, his mother and I would sit him down and say, you know, you, you've missed so much of high school. You've missed so much of the high school experience. you know, going places with your buddies and doing things and dances and football games and, and joining sports and doing stuff. Why? Why, why'd you, why didn't you try and he looks at me and says, "It's okay. I'm, I, I, I accepted where I was at, and I, I found a way, Dad, to be happy with less, to be happy with just the position I was in. I was like, all right, well, that's not what I wanted you to do. I wanted you to step up and rise to the challenge. I wanted you to have some desires for a little more and be a little more and do a little more. I didn't, I didn't want you to settle. I didn't want you to find a way of coping. I didn't want you to find a way of being okay with this. this life down here. I really wanted you to do more and be more. Now, on the surface, I thought I was doing a good job parenting. On the surface, I felt pretty good about that. I mean, I had stuck to my guns. Um, his mother and I, we, we, we stayed lockstep on that, and we kept the rule in place, and, and, and he knew what it was, and he chose his path. He accepted his consequences. We just didn't like that he found a way to be okay with it. In fact, the other kids used to tease him. It was like, why why did you make yourself okay with this? Why didn't you Really? You're okay with not doing anything in life? And he'd look at him and go, I'm fine. I'm all right. And I thought I thought I did a good job because we that I thought that would be a life lesson, you know, like well you could have had more if you apply yourself you could have done something. All right, so keep that in mind, keep that lesson in mind, and let's uh, let's step aside, let's go somewhere else. Now, this same young man is now a young adult, right? And now he's got a wife and a kid and a job and a car and he's got his house. He's doing his thing in life, and now he's frustrated in life because he can't keep up with the Joneses. Well, they have a house that they bought, and I'm renting one. They have a, a brand new Range Rover, and I'm driving a you know a Dodge or whatever, and they're doing this, but I'm not. And they, and so you step in as a parent, you're like, whoa, 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 son, relax. You got a beautiful wife. You have an outstanding son. You have a great child. You know you have a good job, and you know you're moving along. And you sit him down and go, "Hey, relax, man. Don't be jealous of other people. Learn to be happy with where you're at, man. Learn, learn, learn to be happy with uh, with what's going on in your life. You know you're you're gonna miss a lot of life because you're always trying to compare yourself to someone else. You're always trying to to you know, keep up with the Joneses. You need a little bit better deal all the time. And that's not always bad parenting, is it? To try to explain to children to be happy with where you're at. My wife and I are very content with where we're at. We're in the middle, just middle class. We're not even up in real class. We're middle, middle class. And you know what? We don't care what people say or think. We enjoy each other and our restaurants and our little getaways and our TV programs, and we can just sit in the same room with each other and a couple of dogs and be as happy as anyone. We've learned to be happy with, with, what, with where we're at, with what's going on in life. And that's a lesson you'd like to be able to teach your children. Say, hey, you, you want to go for the big bucks? Go. You want to buy better things and have nicer things? Yeah, I'm all with you. However, I'd like you to learn the lesson of Relax, enjoy where you got, enjoy what you have. So years, <laughs> year, and I say years later because that's how long my dumb brain takes to process this, I realized my my schools of thought might be very hypocritical. On one hand, I taught him all through high school, quit being okay with where you're at. Quit settling, quit missing out on life. Get in gear and do something and be something. Come on, man, let's go. You could I know you're happy with this this life you've created, but you could do so much more. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. Look at look at what's going on. Everyone's going to football games and everyone's driving their cars and they're going to the beach and come on, man. Don't don't settle. Let's go. And now that he's thirty, I'm telling him, "Look, man, don't try to keep up with everybody. Don't don't go out and try to get their car and their vacations. Don't don't see the world pat like it's passing you by. It's not. You you need to relax. You need to settle down, and learn to be happy with where you are. Yeah. Do you, do you see how <laughs> see how dumb I am as a parent?" <laughs> The only thing that could have been worse is sitting my son down and telling him this heartfelt speech with my hand on his shoulder, sitting at the dining room table and, and imparting this wisdom with a stern face and loving eyes and saying, you need to relax and learn to accept and, and slow down. The only thing that would have been worse is having him look at back at me and go, that is exactly the opposite of what you told me at 17. <laughs> Oh, thank God he never picked up on that because I don't know where I would have gone with that other than I probably would have just got up and walked out of the house. Oh. Anyway, so I know this is uh this has been a pretty short podcast, but I would just something that was kind of weighing on me that it, it was a secret. Nobody's pointed this out. I didn't have any viewers or any relatives or any children write me an email going, you know, you're a hypocrite. You say one thing and then you say another. No, no. I figured that out all on my own. <laughs> yeah, maybe if I can put something out there for you guys, uh, maybe maybe this is my, my penance, my punishment, if I do it to myself and I, I point out um, where I'm at with that. Um, so there you go. There's the 10 Oreos that we kind of teach kids. Don't be greedy. Ask proportionately, and uh, and and move on, and then we then it bites us in the ass when they're in positions of power, and now they want our money proportionately, and now the other thing's true with the kids: we teach them when they're growing up. You know, I don't think you should settle and make your life miserable. We want you to to work hard and and succeed and be like everybody else and quit sitting on the sidelines. And then when they're in their 30s, we tell them the opposite. Say, ah, you don't got to compare to everybody else. Just, you know, be happy with what you got and, and learn to enjoy where you're at. I don't know. They, I, thank God, there's no thank God, there's no chat room, and there's no comment section connected to these uh, to these podcasts because I think you guys would probably blow me up. So that's it. Um, I know usually things run to 45 minutes to an hour. I was trying to keep it short. I know you guys are in your car sometimes, listen to this, or you go for a run. Thought you'd get a good laugh out of that, and if if it can make you think for a minute on a way to incorporate all the lessons that you want to teach your kids and realize you're you you you're shaping them for their 30s, I don't know, maybe there's some different words we could choose. I'm not saying I've got them at the ready. I know that's what you. your next thing you want to know is, well, how do we handle that? I don't know because like I told you before, I've screwed up as much as anybody and with good intentions. Do you, do you realize none of those things that I did, none of those things that you are doing we're not we're not trying we're not trying to be hypocritical. We're not trying to say, you know, uh, do as I say, not as I do." You know, there's times when you're a parent, you clearly know the advice you're giving your kid is right, but you also know you don't follow it for a second. <laughs> but you're trying to teach them the right thing. Well, this isn't one of those cases. this is this is a moment when we're when we're trying to do the right thing in every circumstance, and then only when you're older and look back, you realize, that maybe those pieces didn't fit. So, yeah, that's it. That's all I got. The music's probably coming up right now. This is our friends at Highway Down um, providing the buffer music, some great guys. And um, as usual, you got the the boring version, the in version. I didn't even use $12 words because I don't own any $12 words. And we kept it at street level nuts and bolts. Um, Gen X mom is on assignment. Gen Z kid's at school. He's going to be shaking his head when he hears this. (laughs) Yeah, it's probably not good. I'm tipping my hand as parenting. Anyway, everybody from Gen X Talks, we'll catch you guys all on the flip side.